I can just start us off while um, Corey is getting uh, her dog a treat so that he stops barking. Um, Welcome to episode number 38. Uh, We're going to be discussing Nancy Drew, Girl Detective number 10, Uncivil X. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. Okay, so... (laughs) God, it's so hard to start these when the books are bad. It's like, I want to start off happy, but I can't. Just can't. I'll start by saying that I would like to publicly apologize for the things that I said about the mystery of the Cluebender Society and secret <laughs> in the old lace. Um, uh, yeah, there may have been some. Um, well, jumping the gun. Yeah, if we uh, if we said that they weren't the best, th- this is way worse. This is way, way worse, worse than anything we could have imagined. This makes way Cluebender worse? Society look am- amazing. Way worse, but for way different reasons. Right, right. Which you just didn't, we didn't even fathom before, I don't think. I don't even know you can call this a mystery, you know? That's, I might agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so um, bad. It's awful. It's really awful. Um, okay. I, before we even get into it, I just want to establish right off the bat the reason why we wanted to read this book was because I heard, supposedly, that it was what Ghost of Thornton Hall, the Herneractive PC game, was partially based off of. I believe that's correct. Once yes. I started reading it, I completely forgot that that was <laughs> the fact. Um, and I, and in reflection, I don't see how it really could have been that much except for mentioning the civil war right um so yeah <laughs> yeah and we should probably put a content warning on this one as well oh, this God. is yes. this does uh you know kind of revolve around the civil war the whole thing is real racist y'all um real also there's some racist. animal death that's really upsetting later mm-hmm. in the book that we probably don't need to get too much into but just yeah. just be aware going into this one it's not this is not a good topic. I honestly, I was literally before we started recording, I was looking up an email address for Simon and Schuster because I want to know, is this book still in print? Surely not. Um, not. Because they make so many uh, Nancy Drew books and, and Nancy Drew series that I'm sure that this one book of this one old series is no longer being printed. But I just want to make sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if it is... <laughs> uh that that needs to stop um because nobody else needs to read this right um (laughs) i I, oh should we even do this should we just like find another book (laughs) i think we should um no i know i think we should (laughs) because well one because i read it and otherwise it's a massive waste of time no i I was just kidding but yeah no, I know. Uh, but seriously, though, because this was a Nancy Drew book that was written. And I think that it's really important um, for us to make it known uh, that not all Nancy Drew history um, is good 
history. And I think that this is a prime fucking example right. of that. Um, and I think it's important for us to, to show y'all and, and tell y'all um, so that of course you read everything critically. Um, it's just, it's just such a shame when these books are marketed to kids. I think it's, yeah. I think it's one thing uh, when you have classics maybe that were written for adults or something that are still being read um, by adults, you right. know, when something is marketed to kids and written for kids, it's so much more concerning to me because it's supposed to be read by people who who may not fully understand uh, the scope of right. and the implications of of what's being put in front of them and kids are just fucking sponges, man. Sorry. There's a lot. I'm going to no, a lot in this episode. Kids are just so they'll just take in everything. And I remember this is what's so honestly, this book was really hashtag triggering to me mm-hmm. um, because I remember thinking this way. Like mm. I was a white kid in a conservative home in Texas. Right. And these messages, that this book put out, I remember getting those messages and I remember believing them. And that's what makes it so hard to read is because for all I know, I might've read this book. For all I know, this book is what helped inform some of the racist beliefs that I held and probably still hold within me. You know what I mean? And so it's just, sorry, that was a lot. And I don't even really know where it was going, but I mean, this is, this is propaganda. It truly is. Um, and it's teaching, uh, like you said, little little sponge minds, uh, things that are are really really wrong, um, and mm-hmm. really unacceptable. Um, yeah, yeah. When you think about the uglier parts of Nancy's history, you think of like the 1930s, the 40s. Yes. This was 2005. That's what's so crazy. Yeah. It was such a trip because you think of like, well, us. <laughs> we talk about our age a lot. But like when when I read the Nancy Drew Girl Detective series, I think of this. This is a more modern series. Now, realistically, this was published in 2005. That was right. about 20 years ago at this point. So it was quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was alive when this book came out. Um, we were the target was, audience for these. We were the target audience for this book. Right. So, and, and of course, and that's, what's so hard to challenge. It's like, you're challenging like your, your personal, like beliefs about the world. Um, when you read this, cause when you think about, oh, 1950s Nancy Drew book, of course it was racist. It was the 1950s, but to think right. like in my lifetime, this is how people thought and believed and I thought and believed this in my lifetime probably like that's what is so hard to stomach like honestly reading this book it it, it was just so painful and just mm. so um like it made me nauseous at, at points to read it um because I was like wow like this was not long ago and probably yeah. many people may still believe this and we have not oh, they come as far do. as we thought we have come yeah. and just yeah just oh there, i mean there are absolutely <sighs> still people today that states rights oh, is yeah. the hill that they are going to die on you know and that's mm-hmm. that's what it is and mm-hmm. they don't understand that they're advocating for slavery like that's that's the what it comes down to right yeah okay so three words (laughs) confederacy 
Yep. Um, <sighs> weapons? I don't know. Guns. Because <laughs> that was a big thing in this mm-hmm. book, too. Um, yeah, I guess, like, racism, guns, icky feelings. Yeah. <laughs> like, very icky. <laughs> very icky. Very icky. I c- Yeah. Okay, so what we're going to attempt to do, um, because there is just way too much uh, to cover um, in this book, we're not going to go plot point by plot point, which we usually do, but instead going to attempt <laughs> a smaller, shorter summary mm-hmm. um, so that we can get into um, some of the more concerning things that we feel like we have to talk about. So, so yeah. <laughs> so, um, the plot of this book is that River Heights is having a Civil War reenactment for some inexplicable reason. Because, spoiler alert, there was no actual Civil War battle that took place in River Heights. Um, It literally has nothing to do with River Heights history. Um, It was just, like, suggested by the local librarian, Evelyn Waters, to the River Heights Historical Society as an event to, like, celebrate the town's 75th anniversary. Mm -hmm. I think it was 75th. Yeah, it was. Um, yep. Which, which actually, side note, isn't um, in uh, Alibi and Ashes, isn't that River Heights' 75th anniversary? It might be. Or is it the 75th anniversary of Nancy Drew? It was the, no, the Secret of the O'Clock game was the 75th edition, or 75th okay. anniversary edition, and then the Alibi and Ashes was her interactive's 25th anniversary because 25th anniversary 25th game so they called it like a short edition even though it wasn't it wasn't 25 years sorry i I misspoke there yeah gotcha i well i'm i'm curious i'm curious as to that because if it is interesting but anyway 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 (laughs) um so mrs mahoney who is the head of the historical society and who we have met before um and the whole entire town are super excited about this idea. Nobody sees anything wrong with it, although I would be very interested um, as to the opinion of any people of color in town because there's no person of color as far as I could tell right. um, in this book. <laughs> so um, who knows what they were thinking uh, when everybody else like, hey, let's do a Civil War reenactment. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just want to throw that out there. Um, but everybody apparently gets really into it, including Best George and Nancy. Um, there is a super strange, awful, awkward emphasis put on, quote unquote, honoring your ancestors. So Ugh. people are um, signing up to, quote unquote, fight in the reenactment on the side that their ancestors did in the actual Civil War. Um Strangely, though, the majority of folks in River Heights do end up volunteering for the union, even though they said, right? So you would think it would be more split, but it's like almost everybody volunteers for the union. Um, I mean, to be fair, it is a a northern state, but still. Well, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) Nancy quickly learns that her ancestors actually fought for the Confederacy in the Civil War, um, and she feels that she must fight with this side in the reenactment, um, and this causes a big rift between her and Bess and George that lasts for most of the book. 
Oh, y'all, there's this horrible <laughs> scene with Carson mansplaining to Nancy that no, no, it's not about slavery. It's about states' rights. Mm-hmm. And so that's why yeah, it's Carson's fine to be Yeah, Carson's a states' rights bro. You would never, I never would have thought, but here we are. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that because the the defense of everybody's position is incredibly disgusting. Yeah. Um, do you want to read the second paragraph? Sure, yeah. Ugh. No, but yes. Okay, so, <laughs> um, of course, s- strange things start happening surrounding the reenactment pretty quickly here. Um, there's actually a bunch of, like, people that have come into town just for this reenactment. Apparently, there's this, like, group that regularly does reenactments all over the country, and they've come to, like, help out because they heard that there's not enough Confederate soldiers, and it won't be fair, <laughs> and whatever, Uh uh, but they're also hosting this like civil war bazaar where they're host or where they have like antiques and relics for sale from the civil war. And there's all these, um, I guess, merchants that have come to sell their, their antique stuff. Um, they're also happen to be selling real guns, real ammunition, real like shotguns and stuff that would have been used in that era. All right. Um, it's actually like against the rules for them to sell mm-hmm. real ammunition or use real guns in the reenactment battle, but they're still doing it anyway. There's, I mean, there's kind of a little bit of um, conflict between some of the characters arguing about, oh, no, I want to be able to sell my stuff at the bazaar and whatever. Um, but we do also learn that um, all the hotels in town are all booked up because there's so many people that have come into town for it. So Carson like volunteers to take some people in so that everybody has a place to stay. Um, and the person the person that they do take in introduces himself as Marcus Hammond, but we do later learn that he is known by some of the other people that have come into town by Martin Halstead. Um, so that's kind of really suspicious that this guy isn't using his real name for the reenactment. Uh, Mrs. Mahoney seems to be kind of targeted by some of these strange events that have been happening. Like there was, she was in a car accident. Um, someone, we find out later someone tampered with her brakes, probably intentionally. Um, later, they have like a picnic leading up to the reenactment and someone like gives her this antique canteen. Uh, and it's like, oh, you should have this is like a we're honoring you for being the one to organize all this. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, no, Miss Waters, she actually did most of the work, so she should have it. Uh, but then they find out that there was cyanide in the canteen and like somebody almost died from it. This is actually what causes the stray cat to die. There's a really gruesome description of the cat mm-hmm. being poisoned. I hate it. Um, there's also, um, there's supposed to be some fireworks after the picnic and those are tampered with and like a bunch of people almost get like, I guess, blown up by fireworks. Shot out with it fireworks. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it didn't, it was like angled to not go up in the air, but like directly toward mm-hmm. where all the onlookers were. Whatever. Somebody throws a rock through Nancy's car window and it's what did it say on it? Like somebody wrote a note like rebel scum oh, must die. Or- yes, rebel scum must die. Which <laughs> I mean Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, yeah. Um so yeah, there's this whole argument yeah. with Bess and George. But yeah, the uh, so then the morning of the reenactment they discover that okay, so um George has, like, signed up to fight for the Union. Nancy has signed up to fight for the Confederacy. And Bess has signed up to, like, be a nurse for the Union. Um, So she's, like, helping out with the medical tent and setting up everything up there. And then they are, like, looking through some of the medical supplies. And they find that someone has, like, 
poison the medical supplies is like this cream or is that right it's like a jar of cream it's, stuff that okay, has like the weird whole stuff thing in it. is weird yeah i don't know how civil war reenactments are supposed to work because shockingly i've never participated in one <laughs> really um but it seems crazy to me that like you know the medical tent that they have they're like they're simultaneously using it as like an actual medical tent for like real injuries that people sustain in this reenactment. That's what and ambulances also, are for. Right. And also as like a um, replica of what a medical tent would have been in the Civil War. That doesn't seem real right. to me. <laughs> um, but what they do is they actually get like this, what I'm presuming is just like, arnica cream or something right. for like cuts and scrapes um that people sustain while they're out playing war um, acting. and <laughs> um and somebody puts like um some chemical in there that makes it burn um so <laughs> yeah that's that that's what that is yeah but yeah, so after they deal with all the medical cream and stuff, Nancy and Deirdre, who also happens to be fighting for the Confederacy in this, they've like teamed up or whatever to volunteer help set things up. Um, so they go to the ammunition tent to get their their weapons that they're supposed to be using for the battle. And they find hidden in like a, like under a table in the corner of the tent, there's two crates of live ammunition. And one of the crates is like half empty. So mm -hmm. super concerning that someone out there on the battlefield is now running around with like an actual loaded weapon. Um, yeah. yeah. So they end up, uh, Chief McGinnis arrives. There's another woman that shows up that happens to be in the FBI, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he shows up, they alert him to what's going on. Nancy has to do this like mad dash across the whole battlefield to like stop what's going on. And they do find that this, this guy, Martin Halstead or Marcus Hammond, the guy that's using a fake name, um, they find him like taking aim at someone. He's like about to shoot them. It's actually, um, whose name is Art Jeffries, who is leading the like union forces or whatever. Right. So Basically, we discover that Martin slash Marcus used to live in River Heights 25 years ago. Or maybe we already kind of knew that, but we learned that from 25 years ago, he had bad blood with Mrs. Mahoney and Art Jeffries. There was a situation where he was working for Mr. Mahoney at the time, um, and he caught Art Jeffries siphoning gas out of one of the Mahoney's cars. Um, and he brings it up to Mrs. Mahoney. Um, but Art brings up that Martin was Martin slash Marcus was using shoddy materials in his like construction work for the Mahoney's. Um, and Mrs. Mahoney ends up taking Art's side in this conflict. Um, and so, and she tells Mr. Mahoney who basically blackballs him out of business. Um, so, he apparently didn't plan any of these crimes that he committed throughout this book, but he just launched a genealogy website. And when he did that, he advertised it to his old girlfriend, Eveline Waters, the former librarian in River Heights, and suggested the idea of a reenactment in River Heights. Um, so really the whole thing was his idea. Um, 
And he gets a lot of hits on his website from the citizens of River Heights. Um, so many, apparently, that he gets overwhelmed. So he has to start giving folks false family history just to keep up with the demand, which is why so many believed that their ancestors were in the Union when they actually were not. And he then, coming to River Heights, he then sees his old rivals um, and decides to start causing all this trouble out of bitterness and revenge. Um, But fortunately, he is caught, and then everybody reconciles over fried chicken and some really gross words. (laughs) Yep. 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 This is why I said, I'll just say this real quick because we have so much else to talk about. This yeah. is why I said there's barely a mystery because there's like these weird things yeah. that are happening with like the rock through the window and the car brakes being cut. Like, yes, those are crimes, but we don't find any of this other mm-hmm. information out, like this grudge that he has. We get this expedition dump after the culprit has been caught. How, right. are, how are we supposed to know any of that, you know? It's such a major criticism for me when it comes to mystery stories. If the reader has no opportunity to solve the mystery on their own, that is the mark of a good mystery story is that when Absolutely. you put in enough details, it's still clouded. But but if you're reading carefully, you could potentially solve it. In this kind of mystery and in the other mysteries that we have seen in the Girl Detective series, that is not a possibility. Um it's it's really just something weird happens, and then, yeah, we get this info dump at the end that solves everything up. Like when you think about the um, Fabergé egg one, the... Um, without a trace. Mm, without a trace. Um, like, uh, how on earth were we supposed to know that this French woman's family was <laughs> potentially involved with the Russian mob and that she had this crazy, like, relationship issues between her father and her uncle and and that it all culminated in this really weird theft by her nephew like there's no way that we could have known any of that similarly there's no way that we could have known about this random business dealings between these people 25 years ago that was never mentioned right or the fake genealogy Clearly, well, the fake genealogy thing, I caught on pretty quickly to that once I realized that everybody got their genealogy information from this Martin slash Marcus mm-hmm. guy. I was like, okay, well, clearly it's not real. <laughs> well, you could like, like come to that conclusion, but then to like turn around and like draw the, the line of like, oh, and yeah. that's why this whole reenactment is even happening in the first right. place because of a grudge right. over 25 I just years ago. Was, what? Yeah. I just <laughs> thought it was a, a part of it, you know, right. like that was one plot point of it. Mm-mm. But also it's very clear from the beginning that this is like, obviously the bad guy. I mean, there are several kind of bad characters in this book honestly but from like chapter two like at the end of chapter two or something we know that marcus is going by an assumed name right it's not a clearly (laughs) he's the bad guy yeah like clearly and because also it's like we learn that and then we don't really learn anything else about him so it's like well obviously (laughs) (laughs) investigate that nancy good grief but yeah, no, that is really not the biggest problem <laughs> with this book. And Nancy doesn't even yeah. question it. She's just like, oh, it's kind of strange he's using a fake name. But I wonder right. why he's back in River Heights. That's suspicious. Yeah. Oh, how dare someone come back to visit their hometown? Sure. 
Look, I tried to find out who this particular Carolyn Keene was. I don't think that yeah. they're going to like really Simon and Schuster is going to release that information anytime soon. Well, certainly. Whoever Not they now. are should be ashamed. <laughs> Not only for the poor writing and the shoddy mystery itself, but for everything else that we're about to discuss because it's yeah. unacceptable. Okay. So at the baseline, can we talk about why they're putting on a civil war reenactment? What was the reason? What was the reason? (laughs) I, it's just baffling to me. It's just baffling to me because many people make the argument that doing war reenactments is a way to what I'm like, trying to think of a way I can history. say to not feel grossed out. <laughs> yes, honor like your honor ancestors. But Blech. or or provide um, historical information, maybe as like a learning thing, right? Or like a um, for like kids, sure. you know, as like this is the history, right? Um, however. It's not like you're putting Clearly. on a play, you know, it's... <laughs> right, right. Um, clearly, River Heights does not have this history. River Heights, they're, they're, what they're doing is they tell us is they're recreating a battle that was actually fought in Virginia mm-hmm. um, called the Battle of Black Creek, which I looked up and does not seem to be an actual Civil War battle. No. Um, so, uh, which <laughs> of course I, I it's not. understand why they would not actually choose right. that, right? Because that would be... <laughs> more concerning honestly (laughs) um um but but so it it can't be that that's not the reason the reason is not for you know sharing their history or learning about their own history Mm -hmm. they're learning about history from another state that's not relevant here so that's not it so what other reasons are there for putting on a reenactment and for me, I think, yeah, I'm sure maybe maybe people who are into reenactments could give me some other reasons that I haven't thought about. Um, but the only other reason that I can drum up is a reason to reenact the civil fucking war. Yep. Is because you uh, secretly wish <laughs> that you could have have fought in the civil war. You want to play pretend that you fought in the civil war yeah. for for fun because you think that that's you think maybe war is fun or you think that maybe the ideals held in the civil war were were noble and there is some of that in this book i'll have to tell you Mm -hmm. um so that's not it's not like i'm making that up that's there no it's definitely an ego thing it's it's stroking their own ego of look at me i'm the big strong war man who can go off and defend my right to own people nancy talks about how um so the oh god it's so sick to have to talk about but what she talks about she says the history of the actual battle is that the southern forces um were less than the northern forces um but they fought in this battle anyway um in the face of like people who had um, better weapons um, and More like people, I, yeah. like better battle conditions, right? I don't, I don't really remember the specifics. Um, and how brave um, the Confederate forces must have been to face that. <laughs> imagine, imagine calling that brave, unironically. What? I just... 
Oh, mm, sorry. Feeling sick again. Yeah. Um, so, so there's, there's, yeah, there's pride there. There's, there's apparently Southern pride yeah. there. Um, from Nancy, from Nancy fucking Drew about her own history, about the, the Drew brothers fighting in the, the Confederacy back in the day. She wants to honor them. And weren't they so brave? No, no, Bess, they weren't. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm getting too Bess, far off. That's the only voice of reason in this whole <laughs> the only thing. Voice of reason. Best Marvin. Once again. <laughs> but but anyway, before we get into that, because I think that's a whole separate thing, her argument oh, yeah. with Bess. Of course. That, yeah. that we have to discuss. But the, the desire to do a reenactment in the first place, super racist. Yeah. Super racist. Yeah. Even if, okay, even if it wasn't a Civil War reenactment, maybe it was an American, like a Revolutionary War reenactment yeah. okay because those are very popular too right what is the purpose of reenacting a battle that didn't occur in your town it's weird it yeah. glorifies violence right and war um and dark awful times in our history that like you know <laughs> we shouldn't like take pride in like we shouldn't we shouldn't glorify the killing of other people ever. No. Like and in wanting any to do circumstance. that doesn't make you a history buff either. Like Yeah, like in any circumstances much less the circumstance where um people are fighting for the for human rights. Like Right. <laughs> so I can I uh, So the whole concept from the get-go is racist. Um and I think that's that's what's so um, concerning because, because I think all of us white folks are oftentimes intention or unintentionally, uh, racist. We don't confront the racism within ourselves and it results in all kinds of awfulness. Um, but to make this the plot of the book in the first place speaks to, I think, an intentionality that is very concerning, uh, to me. Because I just don't know how you can discuss the Civil War um, and not think about racism um, or not confront uh, racism. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So, let's be honest. We're all, we're all racist. It, that's just a fact. We all, I mean, and that sounds like an extreme thing to say. And people are often like, oh, no, not me. I could never be racist. Right. I, I met a black person once, you know, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but no, and like, I'm drinking myself. but no, that's like how society works. We are fed these messages right. of like, this is good, this is bad. And we develop prejudice based on that. Um, and we kind of internalize that. And then sometimes, you know, we allow that to kind of guide how we treat people or make decisions. Does that make you a bad person? Does that make you a racist? Well, if you can like recognize that in yourself and confront it and say, hey, you know what? That thought I had was wrong. I shouldn't treat mm -hmm. people this way. Um, you know, maybe I should learn from this, you know, this automatic thought that I had and like kind of step back and say, you know what? That was wrong. I'm going to do better next time. That's totally fine. You know, as long as you're trying, whatever. To then double down and say, no, actually, yeah. that wasn't racist. I'm right in thinking this. I'm right to think this way about this group of people or to assume this about um, someone's background or, or something like that. 
that is super racist. And that's what this book does. At every opportunity, yeah. it doubles down on, uh, we're right. Um, this is the way that you should think about this. And if that harms people or, um, you know, makes other people change the way that they treat other people, so be it. Because we're right. Well, the whole... Just to be clear, yeah, the whole plot of the book is there's this fight between Nancy um, and Beth and George because Nancy thinks that she should honor her ancestors and fight for the South. And Beth thinks, no, Nancy, why would you sign up to fight with the Confederate forces? Uh, sign up they for the were right cause. Pro slavery. <laughs> right. Sign up for the right side of history. Right. Um, and Nancy's like, well, I can't do that. You know, I can't, I can't go against what, what my ancestors believed or something. Why not? And they get into this mass. Well, yeah, I know. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Like, isn't the point of moving forward in time to challenge the beliefs of those in the past? Yeah. Like, um, right. So obviously <laughs> yeah. it feels, it feels crazy to have to say things like that, but you know, no, you should, you should, you should challenge your own thoughts. You should challenge what you were fed by your, your ancestors and what their beliefs were and use that opportunity to correct it and do better in the future. Make sure that the next generation is not thinking those same things. If, if you can help it and you can play a part in that, do it. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Right. But the whole plot of the book is that fight between Nancy and Bess, basically, and George's caught up with Bess too because George defends Bess way to go George yes um and so that's the plot of the book and the whole and 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 within all of this sabotaging that happens um Nancy is basically whining and sulking about how Bess is in a you know she's in a snit about this and she literally says that she's in a snit and it, it made me so angry when I read it, um, and how Bess is wrong and I am right. I am right because of something my dad said, because my dad explained the history of the war to me and that it wasn't actually about slavery. Um, it was about states' rights to choose. Um, choose what? Yeah. <laughs> but, and then at the end, when they do reconcile, it is because Nancy... Uh, because Bess calls Nancy when the thing happens with the medical supplies, and she calls her because there's been a crime, and she calls her detective, right? right. Because Bess needs Nancy's help. And then Bess apologizes to Nancy um, for this whole fight and, you know, whatever. And Nancy's like, don't even worry about it. Don't talk about it. It's over. There's no apology from Nancy. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no Nancy saying, you know what, Bess, you were right. I can't believe I thought that I should, you know, be beholden to what my racist ancestors thought. Right. There's none of that. Um, it's Bess apologizing to Nancy for Bess being wrong. And then Bess getting embarrassed by Carson at a dinner at the end of the fucking book. Because she, quote unquote, doesn't know her history. The, 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 the plot of the book is Nancy and Bess get into a fight because Nancy wants to honor her ancestors from the, who fought in the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of it, Nancy was right about it. That's the plot. Yeah. That's, uh, <sighs> There's even a scene earlier, right, right after the fight, Nancy is like ranting to Hannah and she's oh like God. throwing a tantrum and is like, I uh-huh. can't believe Bess would say this. I was right. I have nothing to apologize for because my daddy told me that it's states' rights uh-huh. and not 
slavery. Mm-hmm. Why would she be so mean? Can we talk about Hannah for a second? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Hannah. Well, because, like, <laughs> we learn so much <laughs> um, in this book about people's histories. First of all, I'd like to point out that Ned is a conscientious objector to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was fascinating to me. The Nickersons are pacifists. The Nickersons are pacifists, he says, because his ancestors were Quakers. <laughs> Never ever in my life would I think I'm Team Ned Nickerson. <laughs> Never in my fucking life. <laughs> and here I am. Being like, why are we all like Ned? <laughs> Although part well. of it, part of it is icky. Because part of it is Ned being like, I'm going to stay out of it. Taking no stance uh, is know. really taking a stance, though. You know, technically. Right. So. When really, right. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but Hannah tells us that her ancestors came from Germany prior to the Civil War, and they made their wealth in the Civil War. She, she proudly proclaims this, that she made their fortune in the Civil War by selling weapons to both sides. She's proud of this, y'all. Lovely. Thanks, She's Hannah. She's proud of it. You're two scenes She's in the like, whole book, and you had to do that. What entrepreneurs? <laughs> Y'all! Sorry. Anyway, you were going to read that section. <laughs> oh, there's a few sections. Um, there's so many. It's so yeah. bad, you guys. It's so bad. Um, mm-hmm. So Bess and George and Nancy are all discussing, like, which parts they're going to play in the reenactment. Um, Bess is like, oh, I'm definitely going to help with, like nursing and like cooking and stuff like that george makes a dig at best about you're just in this for the clothes um mm-hmm. uh, she said uh, nancy says i couldn't resist adding a little dig of my own people who work in the mess tents and hospitals don't need to be checked or don't need to be dressed out like a southern belle bess um bess picks a cherry tomato out of george's salad why did you say southern belle girls from the north had a fashion sense too fuck yeah bess <laughs> fuck yeah then George says to Bess, calm down, Scarlet. Nancy knows you'd rather die than play a confederate. Nancy goes, that struck me. Or she doesn't say this, but she, like in her narration, that struck me as a pretty weird thing to say. It was so off the wall. In fact, I had no snappy comeback ready. <laughs> why is that a weird thing to say? That is exactly what I wrote down in the notes. I was Did like, you? why is it weird? <laughs> Nancy? Oh, Why is goodness. it weird to rather die than want to fight for the South in the Civil War? Clearly, most of the population, at least over 50% of the population, thought it was worth dying for and fought for the Union. Right? Mm-hmm. And that was in 1860-whatever. Yep. And then here we are a few pages later after she's found out that her ancestors were Confederate soldiers. She says, I'd assume that the Drew brothers had fought arm in arm with Gabriel Marvin because that's who Bess and George are descended from, this big hero named Gabriel Marvin. I assume that the Drew brothers had fought with him, but I was wrong. My instincts told me to keep this news quiet. Normally I wouldn't hide anything from my two best buds, but I wasn't sure how they'd react to this. I'd been set on the idea of joining the same regiment as the Drews. I believe in being true to the facts, and the fact was the Drews had followed the Southern cause. But would Bess and George want me to turn my back on that? Turn your back on slavery? 
What a Jesus what a Christ. scandalous thing to do, Nancy. <sighs> Literally, I read this book, and I'm I, I know all this stuff, and I'm still sitting here getting physically hot mm-hmm. listening to you read it back to me because it's so upsetting. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Wait, the next part is the scene with Carson. Should I just go ahead and read that? Oh, yeah, read the scene okay. Read the scene with Carson. Okay. God. So <laughs> Nancy is telling Carson that she hasn't decided yet whether she's going to fight for the North or the South in the reenactment. He goes, why haven't you decided yet, Nancy? He said, sounding hurt. Now that we know that the Drew brothers hurt. fought for the South. Sh- I know, Dad, I interrupted, but Bess and George and I want to fight together. After all, the North wanted to end slavery, and ending slavery was a good thing. Dad shrugged. Well, slavery wasn't the only issue. Even the un- even in the Union ar- Army, 9 out of 10 soldiers didn't care about slavery? Which is supposed to be, like, some... Some, some encouragement or whatever. <laughs> Instead of being like, yeah, nine out of ten people in the North didn't give a fuck if people were owned. <laughs> That's I have a hard not time a believing that. commendation, Carson. That's no. not a good thing. <sighs> he goes on. And as far as the Southerners went, they didn't fight for slavery. They fought for the uh. right to make their own laws without federal interference. I never read that, I said weakly. I should know better than to argue with my dad, though. He is the best lawyer in all of River Heights, after all. Okay. We need to take a moment to talk about this scene in particular, though, because this... I think that this scene is maybe what angers me the most out of the whole book. And it's not just the fact that Carson's estate's rights, bro. Never took him for a confederacy Never took him for that. Yep. Um, I mean, and, and part of it is concerning that our authority, moral character figure that we're all supposed to look up to always is telling us this. But what I find most concerning about it is that these books about Nancy Drew historically are about Nancy being right in the face of people thinking that she is just a little girl who should sit down um, and get married. Right. And not solve mysteries. Um, And Nancy comes out against that and continues to be smart and capable um, and thoughtful um, and successful in the face of sexism and misogyny um, and men, older men, particularly the police and, and, and authority figures coming out you know, in opposition to them and succeeding in this scene, it is a complete reversal Mm -hmm. where Nancy is quote unquote schooled and gets embarrassed by her father for, for thinking for, for having an ideology, right. About slavery is bad. right? Right. And, and then she feels embarrassed because she should have known better than to argue with her dad. And then that's just the conceit of the book. And that's just how it is. And Nancy doesn't triumph against that. It's not Nancy, you know, was actually right in that moment. And we learn that at the end. Right. It's that Carson is right. And Carson schools us as the young woman. And we as the young woman have to listen to an adult male authority figure tell us why we're wrong. Right. That is what is so grating on my insides. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, 
and I mean, and the fact that it is about racism is like old white men telling young women. You, do you know what I mean? Do you know yeah. what I'm getting at? Like There's, he's justifying an atrocity by saying <laughs> it's not what it is. It's it's this mm-hmm. other thing that's it's actually fine. It is. It is. It's gaslighting and it's it's controlling. It's putting a thumb over the young people with their newfangled ideas to keep those in power in power. And disempower and disempower young women in particular. If you genuinely believe that it was just states' rights, <laughs> I mean, are you only saying that because you're ashamed to admit that you know it's about slavery and you're embarrassed to defend that? So why are you, mm. you know, what what about that is embarrassing right. to you and why? Maybe let's confront mm-hmm. that. Let's challenge that a little yeah. bit. <sighs> yeah, that, that was one of the worst scenes to read for me in the book, because I think also like on a personal level, it speaks to a lot of my experience um, when talking about the Civil War. I remember fucking history teachers telling me that, oh, like, yeah. you know, uh, in in school discussing states rights to me as a young female student um, and yeah. like that being like the right opinion, you know, and the the opinion of the teacher and like me believing that and thinking that or like not even believing accepting it right accepting it into my sponge brain yeah um and and living my life like that yeah like and it's so wrong it's so wrong and and that's why and that's why I think it it hurts so much for me because it speaks to uh, my experience um of of learning about the civil war and about how much damage that did um to like me and a generation of kids, you know, growing up that way and how yeah. much, how much racism that that perpetuated in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine being in Nancy's shoes and like insisting on being proud of her ancestors for this. I remember being in our fifth grade history class, learning about this. You were there and feeling so <laughs> embarrassed of being from Texas because I learned that Texas was part of the Confederacy and like, how could they? And like, why would you ever be proud of that? Actually, I wasn't in your fifth grade Texas history class. Or wait, fifth, yeah, we were fifth in grade, fifth, grade. Oh, fifth grade. We were, yeah, fifth we grade. We met were. Sorry, fifth I was thinking grade, yeah. about seventh grade. Seventh, oh yeah, no, anyway. seventh grade. Yeah, seventh grade was a trip. That was Can we Texas talk about history, that? not because in seventh uh, grade US we had history. Right, but specifically we had Texas history. Correct. Yeah. Um, and there is something very creepy and culty about texas history classes <laughs> yeah um this is a side the total side note i'm sorry that's a rabbit trail but um but those classes in particular felt very racist to me texas oh, well, history classes well because texas history is very racist so it's inherently racist, right? yeah <laughs> but it was like the way those classes were taught it wasn't just texas history it was glorifying texas history we're Remember so the noble for taking the crap. land yeah yeah yeah, of indigenous people. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. murdering Mexican people on Mexican soil mm-hmm. and calling it Texas. Yeah. It's yep, yep, yep. 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 Sorry. I found the yeah. fight scene. It's quite a long one. Do you want me to Yes, read it. 
So they are at a town hall meeting, or I think it's like right after a town hall meeting, kind of discussing the plan for what the reenactment's going to be. Um, there is a man there named Todd Willits, who that's the um, antique dealer, right? Oh, no, no, um, no. He's just a reenactment guy. He's he's benign. He's just some guy that we met that he that is like friendly and we talk to him a little bit. But he's, that's he right, really that's is right. inconsequential. Okay, yeah. yeah. But he's apparently cute and a little bit older than Nancy. Yeah, and they're so, like, they, they know each other. So I don't know if they're friends, yeah. friends, but... Art introduced him to Nancy. Yes. They are well Nancy acquainted, was, apparently. Right. Um, but so essentially they are talking about their ancestors and everything. And Bess and George are talking about how um, they're going to follow in... Gabriel Marvin's footsteps and Todd Willits is like, oh, actually, you know, uh, he wasn't so brave because the Confederate soldiers had fewer resources and things. And so it's more brave because they still fought as hard with less weapons, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and Bess, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bess stared at Todd, two red spots burning in her cheeks. Bravery is bravery, she insisted. I'm not saying your ancestors weren't brave, Todd said, but it was just especially an un- unequal battle, blah, blah, blah. Um, and George starts talking about how actually she's not going to portray Gabriel Marvin in this. She's actually done a little bit of research and found a woman named Callie McGee. Uh, who, yeah, we do. Um, but this woman like dressed as a boy so that she could join the war and like fight with everyone um and she thinks that that's really brave so she wants to kind of portray that woman in this battle um but Bess turns to nancy and says nancy tell your friend he's out of line i'm sorry Bess, but i actually wouldn't argue with todd he i wouldn't argue history with todd he knows his stuff backwards and forwards he's an experienced reenactor with the eighth new york volunteers Bess tossed her head he wears a union uniform and he's talking like that Todd shrugged. I won't be wearing Union Blue on Saturday. I've agreed to act in Confederate Regiment because so few people signed up for it. Um, okay, and so they're they're kind of going back and forth with this a little bit, and uh, hands clenched at her side. Bess gave me a deadly glare. Is it true, Nancy Drew? Is it true what Deirdre told me? You're going to turn traitor and fight for the South. My face was burning, too. So what if I do? It's just a big play. And the Drew brothers believed. Forget what the Drew brothers believed, Nancy, Bess groaned. The North stood for freedom, and the South, the South stood for slavery. If you can't even stand up for what's right... I wish I could have remembered the history stuff my dad had explained to me, but I was so furious I had to let it get personal. Who are you to tell me which side to take, I sputtered. I turned to George. George, would you please talk some sense into your cousin? George squirmed. She looked over at her cousin. Bess practically had steam blowing out of her ears. She was so mad. Sorry, Nan, George said, but I've got to side with Bess on this one. Wow. Okay, I'll admit it. I, sorry, there, that was the end of the chapter, and yeah. it continues on the next chapter. I didn't realize. I'll admit it. I lost my temper. I probably could have said something sweet and soothing right then to get back in with Bess and George, but I just couldn't make myself do it. All I could come up with was, well, Bess, if that's how you feel. Yes, that's how I feel, Bess shot back. You know, you can be just as stubborn as me sometimes. I shrugged like I didn't care. I knew it would make her even matter, but I couldn't help it. Then I guess I'll go ahead and sign up for the Confederate Army. If you're going to be mad at me anyway... Oh, come on, Nancy, George started, but Bess cut her off. No, George, let her do what she wants. And then she swirls around, stalked away, blue eyes blazing. And I guess mine were, too. I crossed (laughs) the room and I signed up for the Confederate Army. I put my name down on the list. So she did this out of spite, really. Sort of. I mean, sort of. But also because of the reasons that she gave before, which were the Drew brothers did it. So I got to do it, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I just, it's just such, it's such a, a shot <laughs> in the chest of everything that I feel like we have established with these books, especially when, especially when it comes to Bess, because it's like Bess in particular has always been the butt of the joke in the original mystery stories yeah. of, you know, her, um, you know, her liking clothes, her liking boys, the weird emphasis on her weight and what she eats. Um, she always ends up being, um, what's the word? Not a scapegoat. Um, but she ends up, it's like everything gets piled on best. Yeah. She's right? the butt of the joke. Um, the butt of the joke. Yeah. Um, and, and in, in this series, we I thought we were trending so well um, with the characterization of Bess and her liking of machines and and she's more and there's there's no weird comments about her weight. She's more what she is is celebrated, right? Right. But instead, in this book, she gets she gets right back down there. She's shamed again. Yep. She gets she gets called you know essentially boy crazy and that the reason why she's mad is because cute boys are around and she when she gets you know quote-unquote called out right um it's it's all the same stuff and and i just don't understand how a book series i i don't understand this from the original series and i don't understand it from this book how a book series that is supposed to be about female empowerment like really it is yeah. like from the very beginning that's kind of like been the point right is a book series for girls for girls to have aspirations right, right? that's the point <laughs> um can turn around and do this to one of their female characters like because what it does is it 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 sidelines all the other besses sidelines all the little girls out there you know all of them not yeah. not just the ones who are just like best sidelines all little girls yeah. and it's like how can you how can you profess to be a book about um yeah, women's empowerment and do this. It just, it, it, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then like <sighs> two pages later, she's talking to Hannah about it and Hannah like just encourages her to drop it. And Nancy says, yeah. I was willing to apologize even though she was wrong and I wasn't. <clears throat> and we never get any sort of like resolution to that we never have nancy learn that she was wrong no. like you said earlier nancy never apologizes it ends up being best that apologizes to nancy we never get mm -hmm. any sort of even implication that maybe nancy feels bad about the things that she says she just feels bad that there was a fight in the first place not actually the content of it i just don't understand how <sighs> again like how we can't discuss the ideas that cause conflict in this book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like the resolution is like, let's forget about it. Like literally don't even speak about it. It's not even, they don't come to any kind of, of actual reconciliation. What they do is they just forget about their fight. Like it never yep. existed, which doesn't give Nancy the opportunity to confront her racism right. and doesn't give Bess the opportunity to be, to be right. Right. Um, it does both of them a disservice. Uh, it's just so upsetting. And yeah. then there's the last page. 
There we go. Okay, so they are all having, I guess, lunch at Nancy's house, and Bess, George, Ned, Hannah, Carson, and Miss Waters, I think, as well, or a few mm-hmm. a few other people as well. Um, and so Bess is asking, you know, who ended up winning in the end? I nearly forgot with all the excitement of the arrest and everything, who actually won the reenactment? And Carson goes, the South one, of course. Bess balled up her napkin and threw it at him. But that was because all the experienced reenactors helped out in the Confederate regiments. That wasn't fair, she said. Dad laughed. No, Bess, it was because the real Confederate Army won the real Battle of Black Creek, and reenactments are always faithful to history. Didn't you ever bother to check out how the original battle turned out? Bess shook her head. No, Mr. Drew, she admitted, blushing. I just figured that Colonel Marvin's side won because he was such a hero. But next time we'll know, George declared with a grin. She jumped up, ran over to me, and threw her arms around my shoulders. Figures that the side Nancy Drew decided to fight for won. Uh, it's just... There's so much to say about that, but there's w- one other part that's a little bit before that Ooh, that I want to highlight, too. Um, um, oh, oh, when they're, like, teasing um, her about... About fried chicken. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that's at the start of the final chapter. I think it's at the, you're right, it is, um, before we get all of the exposition. So Hannah says more fried chicken or whatever, and Bess says, oh, Hannah, yes, please, I just love your fried chicken. And then Carson says, but Bess, it's southern fried chicken. And Bess flushed, but she kept her cool. I'm learning to be open-minded, Mr. Drew. Excuse you, Carson Drew? So, first of all, I would just like to highlight the fact that I didn't even realize until now. But the so they chose to do a Civil War reenactment of a battle that didn't occur in River Heights. And the battle that they chose was one that the Confederacy won. Yep. You you can't make it any clearer than that, that the reason why they wanted to do this was because they're racist. Right. It was because they wanted to feel empowered in their racism. Right. So there's that. Two, they are serving southern fried chicken in celebration of the southern victory. It's just, it's just, how do you look at this and think that's not racist? I just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and then Bess says she's learning to be more open-minded. Why does Bess, Bess is wrong. need to be more open-minded? She doesn't. It's these fucking awful people. <laughs> What does Carson think that Beth needs to be more open-minded about? You need to be more tolerant of other people's intolerance. Of racism. Like, if someone's hateful, it's on you if you don't like that. That's so narcissistic. You have to, you have to let the states who are pro-slavery decide for themselves and respect their opinion about keeping people enslaved, Bess. I can't believe you're not open-minded to that fact. Seriously? This yeah. is what, this is... This is the argument we're going with? Yeah. This is the resolution of the book? Southern fried chicken and best learning to be open-minded about fucking slavery? And of course, Nancy would pick not the correct side, but the side that wins. The winning side. So really, she was right all along. Oh. What? That's how we end the book? That's literally the last sentence of the book. Of course, Nancy would choose the side that won. Huh? Um. Yeah. So there's really nothing more racist that I have ever read in a Nancy Drew book. I yeah. I think even even in some of the like original text versions of the original series, 
this is more, this seems more racist to me. Yeah. There was that awful thing in Secret of the Old Clock oh, um, where Tucker. the black caretaker, mm-hmm. yep, um, and the drinking and all of that. But Secret of the Old Clock didn't center itself around racism. Right. You know what I mean? It was the a whole very plot, racist portrayal for sure. It was but... a racist portrayal. Definitely a very racist moment in the book and in Nancy Drew history. But the whole book of Secret of the Old Clock wasn't about anything racist. Right. You know, the entire plot wasn't. But this book is. The entire plot of it is racist. Mm-hmm. And trying to the make point itself of it. feel better about being racist. Yes, actually... the point of it is racism. Mm-hmm. The point of it is racism. Yeah. It's disgusting. So, it really is. So... <laughs> I, I, I will point out, too, um, that it's not the only awful parts of this book because um, obviously there's a lot of sexism that we've kind of already touched on embedded in the racism as well. Um, there's some there's a great ageist moment um, from Ned where um, oh, they're in yeah. a town hall meeting. Um, and so the librarian, Eveline Waters, is sitting with her um, previous beau from 25 years ago, Marcus slash Martin. Um, and Ned is grossed out about how two old people <laughs> like each other. Old, what, like in their 50s? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe 60s. Like, wow. Um. So there's that. And Nancy does call him out on that, which I really appreciate. She was like, Ned, old people can be in love too. (laughs) (laughs) I sure hope so. Goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that. There's also, can I just talk about too, the fact that for this reenactment, they're doing it in like some park in River Heights or something. They're not just doing it. They're not just performing this reenactment in this park. They are actually tearing up the landscape of this park right? to make it look like a battlefield and the actual battlefield of, of Black Creek or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's this character in the books who, who talks about how he's going to drive the fucking, what are they even called? I don't know. The big, um, the bulldozer the big thing. things this... that scoop the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. To literally move dirt. To make hills and stuff. They divert a stream. Yeah. They divert a fucking stream through this park. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing to the natural ecology yeah. of this place <laughs> to put on a racist performance? Yeah. For one day. For one day. Not even a whole day. Just hours of it. Ruining your, your park, your landscape. Why would you do yeah. that? You're crazy fucking people. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, let's see. Oh, we should talk about the guns. Yeah, I was about to, to mention. <laughs> There's also a moment. So at the very beginning, when Nancy is in the Civil War Bazaar and she um, is seeing all these weapons everywhere, real weapons, mm-hmm. antique rep- rep weapons, and then some replicas of antique weapons that are fully functioning right. um and carson comes up behind her and he like touches her shoulder or something and he kind of startles her um and she says sorry dad i'm just jumpy i guess it's all these weapons around yeah and oh, yeah. and he says don't think of them as weapons nancy think of them as props 
but they are <laughs> weapons and they should be treated but they with are the real caution weapons. necessary for weapons. What a what an awful thing to say to someone who's nervous around a weapon. Don't think about it as a weapon. I'm sorry. No. Like I think the first rule of gun safety is to always treat a weapon as a real weapon. Yeah, and like it's like, a loaded, that's like yeah. <laughs> rule number 1. Like as a, as a loaded weapon. So of course you should be cautious and anxious around weapons. Don't ever encourage someone to take it more lightly than it should Didn't... be. What? Right? Right? Carson Drew, you also, are canceled. He <laughs> seriously. Um also, can we talk about how, so what we're supposed to understand as like the safety setup of this reenactment is that all of the guns, the real guns that people are using in this reenactment, first of all, they're using real guns. They're not, they're not prop guns. They're not fake guns out on the battlefield. They are real guns loaded with blanks. Yeah. That's our, that's our safety, that they're blanks. Blanks can hurt people. Yeah. Blanks can kill people if shot if shot in the right spot. Right. I mean, so, you're still yeah, it's still a gun shooting something. That is not safe. That is not safe. Can we also discuss the fact that the police are involved in this reenactment? Right. Chief McGinnis is on the fucking Confederate side of the army. Right. And everybody around them has real guns. Mm-hmm. This is a. This is a terrifying, frightening situation when you think that that our, our, you know, quote unquote, you know, safety officers here to protect us are the ones with real guns out on that battlefield. Yeah. And also real cannons. Like we didn't mention this, but there's this. Oh, yeah. Woman who ends up being revealed in the last chapter that she's actually an undercover FBI agent. But she is like her cover is that she's working for a fireworks company and they like do the fireworks show after the picnic, but they also like set up fake cannon blasts. And like, that's a whole thing of like, is somebody going to get injured by the cannons because they were set to go (laughs) off too early? Yeah. No, these cannons are like really firing things. Why? Why? And also like this, this, the total, the whole point of this is that somebody ends up loading live ammunition into one of these guns and he doesn't, almost shoot he shoots he just misses right so there's there is somebody out there there is a bad guy with a gun (laughs) out there firing at someone like this is the this is this is honestly so like so upsetting because it's so it's so relevant right now right like this is this is the worst nightmare this is like this is this is gun violence. Yeah. You know, and just to have it like being written off as like, oh, they're just props. And oh, it was just, you know, also they say, they say that he, so Martin slash Marcus wasn't aiming to kill him. He just wanted to, to spook him. Like we don't say he was going to commit murder because that would be too much for a children's book, I guess. But he put live ammunition in a real weapon aimed at somebody and only missed because I think George or somebody like George tackles him. Nancy throws a a pistol at him. Nancy throws something at him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Throws something at him that startles him and he moves the gun at the last minute. Yeah. And pulls the trigger. Yeah. If this was one of the files, which it never would have been, they wouldn't have made this the plot. But if this was one of the files, that guy would have been murdered. (laughs) 
Oh, and definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <sighs> so, yeah. So I hate it. Um, especially because we, in the whole book, celebrating a Southern win. We're, like, super excited about it. It just makes me feel so icky and gross. And I guess I should be glad <laughs> that I feel icked out about it um, because it is icky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, I, that I don't feel fine about it. At least, at least that's... <laughs> Oh, boy. I've been like to know what the thought process was over at Her Interactive mm-hmm. for choosing this book and then mm-hmm. changing it in the way that they did, but still keeping it racist. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so Ghost of Horton Hall came out in 2013. Correct. That was about almost 10 years after this book. Right was released well probably when you consider production probably more like eight but um yeah (laughs) what the hell (laughs) why her interactive why this book it i i honestly i did not see a whole lot of like i couldn't come up with anything that connected the two of them except for the topic of the civil war right yeah 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 no, I mean, there's no, like, Thornton family or anything like that. There's no, no mansion no, no, no. in the South. It's right. nothing like that. So mansion plantation is the correct word. I'm sorry. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. Um, I also, so a whole bit of the book, too, is about how, um, you know, Martin slash Marcus has, like, a fake genealogy research website or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he advertises it to his uh, former girlfriend who is a retired librarian. I take super great offense to the fact that a former librarian uh, would not know how to use credible sources right. for genealogy research. She even makes that point. She's like, oh, I trusted him. I, I should have known. known better because I'm a librarian. Yeah, you should have, Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. Don't use your boyfriend's weird genealogy website for research. Mm-hmm. It's called it's called like your family history or something.com. Yeah. Also, by the way, which or your his just your history.com. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, and that's why Big the yikes. FBI agent was there because she was investigating yes. the fraud that he'd like. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was still really weird. <laughs> um okay. So George is we have another great moment with George where she stands up for Bess. Yeah. Thank God. Finally. Um, Finally. Um, But right before that, she talks about how she's excited to be able to basically cosplay as this, um, what is her name? Uh, Let me find it. Callie something. Um, Callie something, yeah. Um, Callie McGee. Um, she gets to cosplay as Callie McGee because she disguised herself as a boy to fight with her brothers. George is so queer coded in these books. Right. Why can she not just be queer? <laughs> you know that what I would mean? be too scandalous. It's 2005! It's 2005! Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was on television. Right, right. <laughs> I just oh. no because we have to clutch our pearls with the thought of like 
any child understanding a sexuality other than straight, 100% straight. So, no. <laughs> Cisgendered. Yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. Or George's gender identity. Yeah. Like, she wants to dress up as a boy. She's excited to do that. Yeah. We should discuss that in the book. <laughs> we should know about that. But we don't get to. Because that's bad. But telling children that the Civil War was good is not bad. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Makes me want to vomit. I mean, the Civil War was good in that it, the result was ending slavery. Right, but right. I, I didn't mean to imply yeah. otherwise. But <laughs> uh, Yeah. Oh, we should also talk about Deirdre. Deirdre! Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Why is it? That we have redemptive Deirdre moments in the worst possible way. She, like, is helpful to Nancy. <laughs> they get along. They work together. There's Nancy is making catty remarks in her head, but there's there's no beef between right. them. Deirdre doesn't say any snotty thing to Nancy. She's helpful. Is that maybe because Deirdre actually isn't that snotty to Nancy and it's all Nancy's internal dialogue that we get mm-hmm. that from? Hello. You know? And actually Deirdre's not ding, that ding, bad. Ding. Yeah. But she does praise Nancy for joining the Confederate side. Exactly. <laughs> it has to be in the context of we're team rebel. Ooh. <laughs> Ick. Ick. Is that the only attempt that they make of saying like, Confederacy equals bad because Deirdre equals bad and Deirdre is on this side? No, because that's pretty gross. Not. That's pretty no, gross. No, Deirdre is is classed as making a good choice oh. for joining the Confederacy because she is doing the right thing by her ancestors, right? Okay, fair enough. Nancy like makes that point. Well, that's true, and that's the only I, reason I Nancy believe, like tolerates yeah. her in this book too. Yes, yes. Mm. Yuck. She is annoyed that Deirdre has to be the one to help her because she's the only one on the Confederate side, but she That's true. begrudgingly accepts her help because of it. <laughs> it's fucked up. Oh, Deirdre. Oh, Deirdre. It's so, it's so upsetting because a character that is that deserves so much redemption and and honestly deserves it in this book... For, you know, like, being helpful and working with Nancy and not, like, and, and like, trying to do good by stopping the bad guy. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to believe that Deirdre is racist. Ugh. I don't want to think that about Deirdre. Yeah. It's, I just, I want to burn this book. I want to burn this it. book like it never fucking happened. But I can't do that because somebody wrote this and Simon and Schuster fucking published it in 2005. And I probably read it as a an 11 year old, a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that we would have been is, 12. That is upsetting. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Let's burn it. Who cares? <laughs> it won't do anything. It's still going to be out there. It'll probably poison us from whatever plastic <laughs> we'd be inhaling from those fumes. So we'll just run away from the fire. We'll throw it in and run and off. Sit downwind. <laughs> or no, upwind. Yeah, upwind. upwind. Downwind. Don't want to purposely gas ourselves. <laughs> or maybe we do. Maybe we do after reading this. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh. um, I will say 
Okay, one thing that I appreciated in this book, shocking, one thing, Nancy and Chief McGinnis's relationship, I felt like was balanced. It was better. Yeah. It was better. We had, it was interesting. It was an interesting relationship because, because we still had the beginning of, and, and throughout some, some moments of like them kind of clashing, but ultimately what we saw throughout this book was a symbiote, a more of a symbiotic relationship with Nancy and Chief McGinnis, where they both helped each other. And whereas they they frustrated each other and sometimes they discounted each other, um, ultimately Nancy helped the chief, the chief helped Nancy. They gave each other information. They worked together to stop the bad guy. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But alas. Yeah. Um, Alrighty. I think that's all I got. I just, Yeah. Oh, okay. That one one quick thing about Deirdre and Nancy oh, that I noted about about their relationship. I should have brought this up when we were talking about it. But um, so yeah, so Deirdre doesn't have doesn't say anything negative to Nancy. She does ask Nancy, and Nancy interprets it as like being snotty about what color uniform she's gonna wear for mm-hmm. like the South because there's like a brown option and a yellow. What a gray option? There's or something. a gray and a yellow, I think. Okay. Um, or no, mm, I think it's gray and brown. Okay. I think it's gray and brown. Okay. But because Union is blue. Right. And then the South, I think, was gray and brown. But she says something about Nancy's hair color and Deirdre's talking about how good she's going to look in whatever color that she picked or something. Uh, and Nancy is like really upset about it. Uh, even though from what I read, Deirdre didn't say anything, you know, nasty about Nancy's appearance, but Nancy interpreted it that way. First of all, so Nancy is insecure, which is crazy, but okay, whatever. We're supposed to read that. But so there's one part at the end where, where they, she puts on her, um, her uniform at the end when she's getting ready for the reenactment and she sees Deirdre and her uniform and Deirdre took the time to tailor her uniform so that it fit well. And Nancy didn't have time to do that because she was busy investigating the mystery. And she says like, and, and she's like jealous of Deirdre for having a nice looking uniform ah! where hers is like all wrinkled and looks like shit. Good. And <laughs> Deirdre didn't make any cracks about Nancy's outfit. Nancy looked at Deirdre, internalized and, and self consciousness mm-hmm. about her own appearance based on Deirdre. Nancy's fucking jealous of Deirdre. Yeah. Nancy wishes she could look as good as Deirdre. Everyone does. Let's be honest. Deirdre (laughs) took the time to care about her appearance, which is a crack that we've made about Deirdre in the past, by the way. Oh, my God. She's so obsessed with her outfits. She's so, you know, obsessed about wealth and looking good and all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, we realize, well, Nancy's just, here we go. Nancy's just making those cracks because she's jealous. Of course. She's jealous. It's so (laughs) obvious. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. <sighs> so. Oh, Deirdre. You deserve better. She does. We deserve better after reading this book. <laughs> we really All do. of us. I've got to read a, a good Nancy Drew book after this. Yeah. I've got to. Yeah. Because I'm losing faith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get desperate and read a file just to have something. A palate cleanser. I would rather. I would rather watch the Nancy Drew TV show. 
the, the CW show right now. That is like amazing compared to this book. Compared to this. I would rather watch Ghost Nancy solving crimes in 2082 than, than read this fucking book. Or books like it. Seriously. <sighs> I think I was so excited, you know? I was so excited to read it because I was like, what what could possibly be could it possibly be about? I had no concept of yeah. just how absolutely racist it was gonna be. Yeah. I presu- I presumed it was racist. I'll be straight up. I presumed there was racism in the book when I heard that it was about the Civil War. I was like, great. But you didn't think it would be that's gonna be there. That. And because it was, you know, the potentially the source, some of the source material for Ghost of Thorn- Thornton Hall, I was like, okay, well, definitely we're gonna see some racism. Get some lore, but at I least. Had no. no, yeah, I had no clue that it was gonna be the whole book. Right. The whole book. Yeah. Um. Oh, I do have, oh, before we do that, I do have, I've just remembered a tiny, tiny little piece of lore from this book. So oh. when they're going to the town hall, Nancy remarks on how like new and fancy it is. Um, and that is because the original town hall washed away in a flood in the 1920s, different from hmm. Alibi and Ashes. So I just thought that that was an interesting little piece of River Heights history. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, but that's all. Sorry. So, yeah. Um, flashlight score. So, flashlight score, uh, zero. How far five. in the negatives can we go? Can we do negative five stars? Because that's what this book Yeah, deserves. we can do whatever the fuck we want, Corey. <laughs> negative true. five flashlights. Negative five million flashlights. Burn it in the fire. Forget about it. Yeah. Don't read it. Don't let your children read it. Definitely um, not. Definitely not. Um, maybe tweet at Simon and & Schuster and ask them what the fuck is up with this and yep uh if we can maybe get it off the shelves or have some kind of statement about it because is it wow. on the shelves do we know that i i i don't know i i really i want to find a contact i've looked on simon and schuster's website but i'm not entirely sure who the best person to email is but i feel I'll like sending an email yeah mm. okay well now we get to move on thank, thank goodness. god <laughs> <laughs> um, Basil's yeah. ready for so, us to be done. Sorry. <laughs> well, we're just about done, Basil. Okay, so next time we are going to be covering another girl detective series. This time, one that thankfully does not take place in River Heights. So maybe we'll get a little bit more of a better mystery and better mystery adventure in this one. Right. Um, it is going to be number 13, Trade Wind Danger. Ooh. Nancy goes to San Francisco. Very exciting. And Hawaii, right? And I think Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I haven't gone that far, but I think so. I'm up for it. Yeah. I am optimistic about it. I will say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will say the beginning is pretty promising. Okay. Yeah. But I'm only two chapters in, so I don't know. That's, that's you know? all you can ask for in the first two chapters. That's all we so. can ask for. Yeah. Um, okay. So if I you guys we'll, are still we'll listening, you. yeah, we'll see yeah. you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. 
If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regular Nancy Drew and Twitter at regular ND. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks for listening. listening.